Hi everyone! Welcome back to another week of Tudor Talk Time. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode. And this week, we're going to be looking at Juana la Loca. Slightly diff. I feel like it's slightly different because I feel like up until this point, we've mainly done like English, English. Yeah. women. But she has a connection to a lot of English Tudor queens. Women. Yeah. We're branching out a bit. We are. We're remaining in the Tudor period. We're not too adventurous. And, you know, she's got connections to the House of Tudor, so I feel it's not too out there. Yeah, so we we won't label her as Joanna the Mad yet. We'll decide whether she was really the Mad by the end of it. Mm-hmm. But shall we just start with her birth, Phoebe? Yeah, so Juana of Castile <laughs> um, was born on November 6th, 1479 in Toledo, Castile in Spain. Um, she was the third child of Ferdinand II of Aragon and Isabella I of Castile. So, um, you know, she was like, as it, I think that's quite important. She was never presumed to inherit anything. She wasn't yeah. really brought up to inherit either Aragon or Castile. No, which I think is quite important because she had uh, many older siblings. She had older <laughs> siblings. She was one, and then they had obviously their she, and then her little sister. She had two older siblings. Her sister Isabella and a brother Juan, and then Prince of Asturias. Obviously, and the first time I saw that, I did. I thought it was a typo, and they meant Austria. That's true. <laughs> it's a, that is the title of the heir apparent to the throne of Aragon, which I think yeah. is quite a nice word. Um, and then obviously she has her youngest sibling, Catalina. Catalina, Catherine of Aragon, the Spanish Infanta. We've yes. already done an episode on her. Would recommend. So, Okay. Um, well, so Ferdinand and Isabella were obviously really powerful monarchs, and it's thought that they kind of both started to unify Spain in the way that we know it today. Ferdinand had to rely on Isabella to rule Castile, and as we'll see later on in the episode, Ferdinand was really not into giving any of his power away, and especially, especially to women. To women. Yeah. He really just wanted to rule both territories, and as we'll see, we'll do anything to get this to get yeah. his way, including so, mistreating his own daughter. So should we talk about a bit, we do a bit of like education and upbringing? Have you got any? Yeah. I've got quite a few notes mm-hmm. on that. Okay, so she um, so she was educated the same way Catherine Aragon was. They were both educated by their mother in similar, in similar things. She, um, she was taught all three of the main languages of the Iberian coat, of the Iberian Peninsula, which I think is quite important because it's like, um, although it's not unified Spain, it is pretty much the area that unified Spain today is in. And so she's learning the different dialects of these different areas, which I feel would give her a good understanding of how to like interact with the different people in the different areas. It's quite a kind of like, you know, it's, and she also was fluent in French and Latin. So that's five languages she was fluent in, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, she played many instruments and, um, I have, well, her mother was very, her mother was very keen. Isabella of Castile was very keen on Catholicism. She established the Spanish Inquisition. Um, She wanted the title of uh, Isabella the Catholic, which I think was granted to her by the Pope. But Juana, she wasn't so sure. She was like, I mean, it's fine, but I don't love it. And that's kind of they began to disagree through her education which i think is quite interesting 
Because Catherine of Aragon follows a similar path to... He definitely shows a level of... Intelligence. intelligence. Yeah, if you're willing to question what you're being taught and everything. Mm. But obviously Isabella was really not happy with the fact that her daughter wasn't as Catholic as she was. Um, she tried to correct her daughter's religion with methods like la cuerda, which was basically where she was hung in the air by ropes and weighted down by her feet. So we can obviously see that... Endangering life. Not a yeah. lovely childhood experience. She was basically tortured into almost accepting this. Yeah. Mm. Which, it's not the best building blocks. No. <laughs> you could argue that <laughs> the issues we're going to see arise later in life. and They may have started they early. May have, this may have helped. Yeah. yeah. You can very clearly see that she, from this kind of basis we're building, we talked about her father is like always power hungry. This is how keen her mother's religion that she'll torture her own daughter into believing it. It's kind of like she doesn't, it doesn't lay a foundation of her to have a healthy understanding of what a relationship is meant to be. Mm-hmm. I know that's probably quite a modern um, concept though, but like it just doesn't give her a very healthy foundation mentally in yeah. life, which I think is quite important. She was really very pretty. Yeah. And at 16, she married Philip the Handsome, which I think is the funniest name. <laughs> yeah, it was 18. So, you know, it's not a weird, like, age match, to be honest. And he's Duke of Burgundy. And I have, I have Philip of Flanders as well. Isn't Flanders in Burgundy? Flanders in Burgundy? Oh, it was Flanders in Burgundy. No. Well, I think it's because his parents weren't dead yet. <laughs> Um, so she moves he to was, Flanders to live with him. He was the son of Maximilian I, the Holy Roman Emperor, and Mary of Burgundy, who was a duchess. So those are two pretty, uh, pretty impressive people. But then also, when she's on the ship to, Bur- to Flanders, she gets really sick and she catches nearly a fatal fever. And just to set up the rest of the marriage, Philip wasn't even there to greet her upon her arrival and sent his sister, Margaret of Austria, in his place. So, you, again, you haven't got the good foundations there either. Yeah, um, that's marriage by proxy, I'm pretty sure, which is where they're not physically both there. Um, but that was in Castile. And it was only in the following year that kind of... Yeah, yeah I why not? Juana. I called her Juana. It was in the following year that Juana's position in the succession <laughs> starts to change and she really does start to jump up uh, her older brother Juan. On the marriage, which- although she was married by proxy, which isn't very romantic, it was she was married in the same place where her parents had secretly married in mm. 1469. And I don't know, I just, I always find a secret marriage really cute. It's serving Romeo and Juliet. But no, I don't, I don't think their secret marriage was cute because it was No, I know, but like no matter what it is, I still find, I find, I find a secret cute. No, but it was more like they were meant to get married the next day and he, Philip wanted to get married the day before because she was really pretty and he wanted to sleep with her quicker. Well, you know, Lara, Lara, the Tudor times you don't really get much romance, and this is as close to romance as I get in the Tudor times, okay? He also then held a hostage in his castle. Okay, well... Ferdinand and Ferdinand and Isabella are not a very idyllic couple. Ferdinand had many mistresses. Um, He was not really... I, which deeply saddens me, because I imagine them as this war, 
Powerful couple on the back. I read that actually Henry VIII could have taken inspo from Ferdinand when they met. Yeah. Which, I don't know, just kind of says something about both of them. Quite a lot. Took Um, inspo. (laughs) He made a Pinterest board. He got on Pinterest and he put. There's lots of women. Sleep around. This was his vision board. He created a vision board. We should create. Marry a Spaniard. Guys, we should create a vision board for him. And ironically, so, I think make it everyone follow my religion. <laughs> Catholicism. Sometimes. Think you're better than everyone. Try and take France. <laughs> <laughs> so with your daughter's really bad. Sam sadly died in 1497 <laughs> no. at the age of 19. And his wife, Margaret of Austria, gave birth to a stillborn, stillborn daughter two months after his death. So, which is so which sad. Which is really sad, but we are wiping out the entire Juan line. It's gone in, it's gone in, it's gone in one swoop. <laughs> also, similarly, the same thing happens to Juana's older sister, Isabella, who died in 1498, shortly after giving birth to her son, Miguel. But with Juan, so it was sad that he oh, died. Miguel also died. <laughs> Guys, literally, also they literally died in one year. <laughs> the joke is over. <laughs> Laura's still laughing. I laughed at a lot of things. Juan, um, his death, they, everyone was like, oh, it's tuberculosis. But there were rumours, and these like these were rumours, but there were rumours that he actually you know died due to his enthusiastic bedroom activity. <laughs> Even had time to grieve her brother. Philip had already taken on Juan's title and started calling himself Prince of Aragon. Which and isn't the thing you really want. It's a bit it's a bit arrogant. It's a bit it's also, it's like Aragon. And then I mean Philip gets worse, so jo- Juana, sorry, gives birth to a daughter in 1498. Philip tells her that the child was a failure and that he wouldn't pay anything to support the baby and that he'd only help to raise a son. Just a note on that as well, it's Skipping a little bit of a spoiler for later. I actually don't know if it's a spoiler, but they had uh, four daughters in the end, and they all went on to become queens themselves. So I would hardly call any of them a failure. They, they're really Elizabeth. successful. Like, her, yeah, and then her, and then all her boys go on to be emperors. Yeah. Like they, and then all the girls go on to be queens. That's four queens as well. That's like, that's no easy feat. No. Oh, also, she did still have remaining siblings. She had Maria. I feel like we forgot to mention Maria earlier, but she had two younger sisters, Maria and sorry, Catherine. Maria. I'm sorry, Maria. Shout out Maria. Maria's only three years younger than her. Than Philip, <laughs> Philip just doesn't really do anything right. So he did think that she was very beautiful and he liked that. Um, so they obviously, they got married early, but he didn't really treat her very well. He isolated her and basically held her hostage. All of, all of her courtiers were replaced with his men and he refused to pay any of her ladies in waiting who eventually just left Flanders, leaving her on her own. Um, So he, he did isolate her. He kind of cut her off from her fortune. And this and is then, when you get Ferdinand is like, he plays like, oh, you're treating my daughter really badly, kind of acting like he's really upset about this. Obviously, he has his own motivations to get rid yeah. of Philip, but... Um, but, you know, it's just kind of sad because he's made her take the title, claim the title of Princess of Asturias, even though she's barely, like, like, give her a bit of time to grieve, first of all. And then he just, like, locks her up. And it's just like... We 
then see like the first reported case of her mental illness or her madness is what they call it when uh, Isabella of Castile her mother passes away in 1504 and this leaves the throne of Castile to Juana uh, and the throne of Leon so she's gaining a lot but this started a series of mental instability for Juana she was not eating or sleeping when her mother fell ill and just altogether had a bit of a horrendous time and this obviously would later be manipulated mm. by Philip and her own son. I think at this point it's very easy to break it down to what it is which is like depression and anxiety yeah. like she's very clearly depressed from the way that she's been treated her entire life but she has also been like told that that's like what a loving relationship is because no doubt her mother told her that she loved her as she was hanging she was like you know she was like be like torturing the Catholicism into her she was like I'm going to do this because I love you so she's also going to mourn that her mother's falling ill she feels a lot of pressure clearly from her mother and what Isabella would want and she knows that she's going to have to take on Isabella's title Isabella's power and continue the legacy that her mother wants even though they have different views and she spent so long completely isolated by by Philip that you can imagine how she probably would have lost a lot of faith in herself she doesn't have many connections to her mother anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic, it's a classic abusive relationship to literally isolate the person yeah, who's being... Yeah, uh, to who, gain her power. Exactly, to gain power over her, because it's like, who are you going to turn to? Because I cut, because I cut everyone off that you might turn to. And I, I think that it's really sad, you know, she's... Anyway. And her parents saw that as well, so just before her mother died... Joanna and Philip went to visit the in-laws. She, Joanna got pregnant and Philip, instead of staying with his wife, went kind of, he said he was going for like business reasons, but really he just left and went to party in France, which is so humiliating mm. for Ferdinand, Isabella and Joanna. She wanted to follow him back to Flanders, but Isabella actually said that she couldn't and she locked all the buildings. It was, but this was because they, this is because Spain was, uh, war with France at the time and so they almost certainly would have taken her hostage and used it against her like it wasn't safe for her to travel through um France at this time which I think is definitely a slightly strategic move on Philip's part because he's like well she can't follow me here and if she does what they're gonna do capture they're gonna capture her so like it's not really safe like she's not gonna she can't be annoying to me if I'm in France and yeah, so her mum locked all the buildings and she stayed outside the whole night. She wouldn't take any blankets. She just kind of screamed. And bearing in mind, she's a pregnant woman at this point. She's probably very hormonal as well. Yeah. As well as being depressed, like she's not allowed to make any decisions for herself anymore. She's probably hormonal because she's heavily pregnant. And also she just, she like, yeah, she I think she just wants a bit more power in her life. Also, um... She would kind of like, in order to try and like get her way, she would use, she would have stayed out all night and refused buying it so that they worry for her health, you know. She used to, um, sometimes when Philip locked her up, she would refuse to eat and sleep, like she kind of go on like hunger strike. So and was like, I will only eat if you let me out. And obviously, he doesn't want to have like blood on his hands and stuff like that. And it is very, it's very sad to see that she brought herself to that just to try and like, have some control over her life 
But also she was one of the last people to actually find out about Isabella's death. So because Philip had isolated her, so kind of far away from everything, he knew about Isabella's death a week before Joanna and basically spent the whole week preparing on how he would take the throne. Which is not, again, so once again, husband before, material. <laughs> not the most comforting. After her mother's death, Joanna becomes Queen Regnant of Spain. And there's this huge battle for the Castilian throne between Ferdinand and Philip, basically. I think it's, I mean, you can just see how petty both of them are. Ferdinand tried to get his way. He minted coins under his and Joanna's name, saying that they were the rulers. And then to counteract this, lot, Philip actually. just did the same with coins under his and Joanna's name. He literally so was, was like, you can play this game. Ferdinand just spread rumours across the whole of the country that Joanna was insane and that she couldn't rule. In early 1505, he said to court that she was so ill that she can never govern in her own right. And, I mean, you have to be... I mean, what kind of father do you have to be to go around yeah. saying that your daughter's insane? Oh, also, in this period... Like, Ferdinand remarries very quickly after Isabella dies. Which I think just strength... It, well, it did strengthen support for Philip and Joanna and Castile. Juana, sorry. But I think part of the reason for that is it's like... He's married again, so he's kind of lost the claim to Castile because he's got a new wife. It's like you can't really use, they were like, you can't use your dead wife. Also, you're a foreigner, we don't want you. Your wife's a foreigner, we don't want her. And yeah, and also Castilians, they really, really liked Isabella and Germaine de Foix, who was French. It's just a bit like a betrayal. It was just like nothing in comparison to her. So this meant that even if people were saying Joanna was insane, she was still a better option to Castilians and all yeah. the nobles sided with her. Um, she also began to then, dress only in black to sh- as a sign that her father was symbolically dead to her. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I kind of like, like that. that. I really like that. Also, just, you know, she, uh, on leaving Flanders... Uh, on the 10th January 1506 to return to Spain, modern day Spain. Their ship was wrecked on the coast of England and they stayed in Windsor Castle with her. She got stayed in Windsor Castle with her sister and uh, Prince, and Henry, who was currently Prince Henry. Um, I don't know, I just think that it's kind of cute because I feel like it's in the middle of this, like he's trying to cut her off from everyone and yet she ends up in the situation where she's just there with her sister. And because it's like, you know, like she's like, they're both, sorry, they're both really going through it. Yeah. And then, and they feel like they have no one because also at this time, loads of Catherine's ladies had been sent back to Spain. Like they feel like they have no one. And yet then they get each other just for this short, like this short bit of time. Actually, they weren't able to leave until the 21st of April. So that it's a bit more than a short period. It's a couple of months, but it just, it really brings me joy but, for her. But unfortunately... Later, well, not that unfortunately. Later that year, in September of 1506, um, Philip dies and... Raise your hand if you cried. Yeah, that's what I thought. Joanna did not either. Joanna did, well... (laughs) According to reports, she did not shed a single tear. But she did, however, fall into a deep pit of mental instability. And I think this can easily be explained because her husband controlled her life. Well, her husband tried to control her life, and so now it's he's not there. The person who controlled her life, the person who told her what to do, you know, yeah, isn't I, there. I definitely understand that. However, I am going to call this behaviour a little bit abnormal in that a, a pregnant Juana travelled with her husband's court um, from Burgos to Granada, where he was silly buried, 
which the distance was 668 kilometers. I think okay, in a car today would take six and a half hours. So it took days with them. Yeah, I um, do think that's sad, but I, I, I would argue that it's to do with like, you know, the pregnancy, like, you know, and it's a child, like, she's heavily pregnant, yeah. it's a child, it's her, the, her last connection to him. And also, she would have definitely had some attack, no matter how, like, um, no matter how, like, hostile and manipulative we view their relationship, she would have, she would have been the only person she had left, really, because I, I he'd cut everyone off, else off from her life. However, she did, she was also said to have opened the casket, the coffins, and, and embraced him and kissed him. And I just... There's a part of me that can't really like, see that as an as a, a same. Yeah, look, love you know? her, but that is a bit mad. That is a bit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't love it myself. It's a bit kooky, and also, but I think it can easily be explained from all the trauma she's gotten through. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I don't know if maybe it's because we're women, so we so reach to make sure that every woman in history is like seen as the best person ever. Yeah. I'm. I think there is a lot of evidence to show that she wasn't completely right in the head. Yes, and definitely. Oh, I just because I'm a woman doesn't mean stable, but I don't think that makes her insane. I That's do, my I, line of argument. I'm not certain that I think she would have been able to rule on her own. Yeah, but I do think that the men ruled in her place. They, 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 they didn't do well either. Yeah. They what? They were no better than her. But um, there are a lot of arguments that kind of say that maybe she wasn't insane. That she she carried around his dead body for political reasons so they some people say that she did this to prevent her from having to marry another suitor yeah um, and another power hungry if she at least made herself appear to be yeah attached, attached. or mentally yeah inavailable um some people say it bought her time so because she wasn't really ready to take the throne and by account we don't really know if she actually wanted to be queen um, it meant that she wouldn't have to take power that quickly. And some people say it was it was her way of reminding Castile that her father wasn't the true king and that she and supposedly Philip were the true rulers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just hard for us to kind of come to mm. a conclusion. But inevitably she was also then kind of controlled by another man, by her own son. Um, well, which is annoying because I, I had quite a good which impression she, of Charles I until I did this. It's kind of like not quite yet because you know when when she loses her husband, like only three years later, he's fifteen oh nine. Juana was placed into or retired into uh, the royal monastery of Santa Clara in Tordesillas. <laughs> Throughout his reign, Charles forbade Juana any visitors, so he continued to control her. She spent the rest of her life also being isolated and she would die there in 1555 on the 12th of April at the age of 75 yeah. and she was she's kind of old that's kind of old I think though okay and I know this is like you're probably going to say this this is like me reaching again to try and defend her because she's a woman in history but I think the fact that she was allowed no visitors I feel like that was to conserve the rumour that she was mad that she was I, crazy my belief is that her maternal grandmother, so Isabella of Portugal, yeah. also suffered of mental illness, as well as her grandson, Carlos, and great-grandmother, Maria of Austria, also went mad. So we can see that there is yeah. a genetic component. And um, we do know now that there is a genetic component as well to schizophrenia. Yeah. And so I do think that she had schizophrenia and probably depression, which because she 
a lot of traumas in her life that she had to overcome. But I think that she, instead of being consistently mentally unwell, she experienced yeah. bouts of it. And to yeah. keep her isolated, that she did have periods in which she certainly wouldn't have been classed as able to rule. But if you were to visit her just on a normal day, you couldn't necessarily gauge that. Mm. And I think that was yeah. a way of them pr- like making sure that nobody saw the good version. I just her. feel like, I feel like, um, I don't disagree that she probably didn't have mental illnesses. I think Joanna the Mad it's is not just, a great title. It's such a male thing. In the last years of her life, she started dressing in monk's robes. She claimed that a jungle cat had eaten her mother and she accused nuns of trying to poison her. I think it's interesting to look at her from a modern perspective because we can clearly, if she was in modern times, she would be able to have access to medication mm-hmm. and things that definitely would have helped her as well as ha- not having the childhood that she had. I think that she was a victim of circumstances and genetics. I think it was definitely made worse by the way she was treated, yeah. but there was probably a genetic component to the way she acted. So, was she mad? Maybe a little. Do we hate her for that? No. Do we, like, I feel like mad suggests that she was like, I feel like she just wasn't like uncommonly mad. Do you know what I mean? And then I don't think, I don't think like in, like, I don't think in today's society she would, she would be shunned the way she was. I think. That it was question, just to also to keep her out of power. Yeah. I think the question of like mad or manipulated, the answer should be both. Yeah. Combo. Combo. No combo. <laughs> a yeah. sneaky combo platter. Exacerbated the other. Double trouble. <laughs> I just want to give a little shout out to our Instagram, our Twitter, our TikTok. We're That's all at Tudor Talk Live on all platforms. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week on Tudor Talk Time. Talk time.